0: Andy Clark's book, There's More, and he's tracing back over the history, his history, personal history, and then, you know, a lot of these things were things I was involved in, and like, so he's talking about Toronto, and going to Toronto, and when he was up there, and uh, John and Carol are not, and and the things that happened, some of it, and uh, man, I feel um, as you revisit things, it rem- reminds you of things you've done. And I've known God a lot better at different times of my life. And I wouldn't mind uh, returning to that. You know, and I know it's really always the story of the prodigal son. Dad goes to the front porch and's waiting. And the prodigal's gone off and done all the things he's done. And, you know, he runs out of money, runs out of everything. And then he comes to his senses and he's feeding the pigs. <laughs> he goes well, my dad's helpers make do better than eating like what I'm doing. You know? And the scripture says. So I think I'll just go back to my father and apologize and repent and tell him, you know, I'm sorry. And you know, as the scripture goes, it says, while he was a long ways off, his father saw him. Father was, could sort of Go to the edge of the porch and kind of let that, you, know, you, you know, you you know, you got to let the, them do what they're going to do. And our Heavenly Father's like that sometimes. He goes right to the edge of the porch and goes, Okay, I'll just wait until you wake up in the pig pen. You know, and the story goes on. I mean, there's two stories there running about his his brother. You know, that's a different story, but. Mm. He, he's that way about us anytime we wander off or get distracted or I don't know you always come back to your father's house Lord I ask you to uh, you're already here so we ask you that you speak to each person here those that will watch this later, that you'll speak to them, that you're the word from you. What, is, what has been eternally in your heart for this moment, and whatever that moment is, you know, it can be whatever time of the day somebody else watches it, in that moment, quicken your truth, what you want to say to your children, to each of us. We submit this in humility and say, you are God and we are not. We say, your ways are not our ways. That your ways are higher than our ways. And your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, but we are your children. And because you're a loving father, you want to teach us. About yourself, about how you see reality, about how you see us, how you want us to treat each other, how you want us to, like these songs this morning, stir us towards you, we ask in Jesus' name. I'm going to, what I thought I was going to go to second, I'm going to go to first here. This is Hebrews 12:1 through 3. You know, Hebrews 11 has listed all these different people and all these events. And 12 starts with where we've divided this letter up. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. The Hebrews writer knew how it was the sin that so easily entangles us from the smallest things that that we might measure them as small to what we might measure them as big, as great, you know. They entangle us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's... Early September 2023, and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And then when October comes, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And Thanksgiving comes, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And however how we do Christmas, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And a new year, we fix our eyes on Jesus. There is nothing like fixing our eyes on Jesus. There is Nothing in our culture, nothing in the 183 nations of the world. There's nothing in outer space. There's nothing, nothing like fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God where he is right this moment. If we could tear open the heavens, we would see he is seated in the place of honor at the right hand of God the Father. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We live in a cult, the cultures of the world, they're all different, but they all, because the enemy, because the enemy is in all kinds of things, they are out, there are forces that are out to make you grow weary. Their goal is to make you lose heart. Their goal is to divert you and to send you to something else to fill it in. Instead of their only motivation sometimes is to keep you away from Jesus. They never stop this. So if we have a good morning, it's a good morning. Like saying it was a great ball game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really great. The weather was perfect. The popcorn was good. Our team won. Nobody got hurt. The band even played on key. They all even marched in the right places. None of the cheerleaders fell on their head. Nobody fell in the mud. Nobody was robbed. Nobody's car was broken in. It was a great game. And then you go home until the next event in life. And the next event might be not like that at all. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 4. Now, without building a lot of buildup, you know, well, it's just hard for me to like just start on a spot. Uh, You know, Jesus has come back to life. Raised from the dead. Appeared to them for 40 days, off and on. He's told them, stay here until you receive power. So 10 more days, 50 days later, the morning of Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit is poured out. The church is empowered with with the Holy Spirit with them. And life goes on. And that morning, Peter, under anointing, says, they're not drunk as you suppose. And he preaches an anointed sermon and 3,000 people all say basically what must we do you've pierced our hearts we'll repent and get saved in Jesus and they did and they got baptized and the church went from 120 or so or however many there are to 3,000 extra but but life goes on Peter and John are decided like hey let's go down to the three o'clock worship service let's go down three o'clock prayer down the temple they're going down to three o'clock prayer, chapter three here, and there's a guy that has been lame since he was born. He was born lame. He's over 40 years old. He's been lame. He's there's got friends. You know, we talked about this last time. For whatever reasons, they put him outside the gate, the center gateway leading into the temple. He looks to Peter and John. He thinks he's going to get a he's going to get a little handout of money or something, and instead. Instead they say, ah, silver and gold we don't have, but what we got will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And Peter, they grab him, his streak gets his legs get stronger, and he jumps up. And he goes and becomes a crazy man because, well, you would after you know, your whole life, and that you can walk and you can jump and you can say things, and everybody knows him. Everybody's been there. Everybody knows whatever his nickname is, you know, Joe. Joe, that's Joe, Lame Joe. Have you heard? Lame Joe, these guys said this thing over him. He's he's running up and down the streets. Have you seen it? It just turned everything upside down. It just spread. It just made everybody crazy. It was not a plain ordinary day going on the rest of the day there. And Peter starts preaching to them, and saying that it's it's because of the basis of this name, and this name, this name of Jesus has strengthened this man. Verse chapter three, verse sixteen. That's the reason. And they go on down, and he he quotes different things, and he he says things to them. It's pretty good, really good. And he says times of refreshing can come. You know, and he's talking right along, and they're really stirred up over this. Now, chapter 4, and as they were speaking to the people, they've not even finished yet. And what have they been saying? He's been talking about this Jesus, right? Okay. So as they're speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard, you know, they got their own set of guards. there They have to work for the Romans and work with them, but, you know, they got their own guys. They can do stuff. And the Sadducees came up to them. Now, the Sadducees, you remember, they're not like the Pharisees. You know, you got got two main groups. Sadducees thought their, their viewpoint was when you're dead, you're dead. There isn't a life after death. That was the difference between them and the Pharisees. You're dead. So how do you stir up a you can stir up a Pharisee one way? You know, you could say you're God like Jesus. He 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 got both groups mad as heck at him, you know. I, I, you know, father. That right there, when he said father, that made him crazy. I, I swear he just called God Father. Well, he can't do that. Nobody can do that. I mean, God's God. You can't call him Father. I mean, that's, if you call him Father, then that's acting like that you're his son. Oh, yeah. He didn't just call him Father. He called him Daddy, in our language, Daddy. Let's stone him. You know, let's push him off of a cliff. They pushed him up the edge of the cliff one time. One time he just walked right through the crowd and went home, you know. So, so but the Sadducees, they've gotten in on this. They've heard what's been said, what's been going on, and all this stir. You, you understand, it's like Friday evening, Patsy and I were down here with Ani, our granddaughter. She could come, the rest of them had to go do band and stuff, and, and it was a first Friday. And they, they, if you're ever down here on first Friday... We were watching a movie with Anya in the back of the room and and the vendors are out there and they're running their compressors to keep their food cool and it's just crowds and there's antique cars and there's an antique army jeep over there with a gun mounted on top of it. I mean, wow, the street, I mean, the, the street is just loud. It just sounds like state fair or something going on outside. So I just picture this is that Jerusalem has gone from just a normal amount of, Noise to noisy, noisy because this has gone on, and now this guy's preaching this, and now they're they're showing up. Verse two, and being greatly disturbed. So you can, Sadducees would be greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Oh, those are fighting words for Sadducees. Resurrection from the dead? Yeah! I mean, you know, I don't know what kind of cussing they were doing, but I can guarantee you that they were. You know, whatever they were saying in their language right there, it was going on. Verse 3, they laid hands on them and they put them in jail until the next day because it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed Holy Spirit's involved it's not just something happening and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 so we've picked up 2,000 people more now from, here, from this encounter Pentecost you got 3,000 a few days later we got, we got the guy at the gate that can't walk that now can walk and they've seen it and Peter's told them whose name they're doing it in, and 2,000 of them are going, he must be the Messiah. I mean, we've got 5,000. Verse 5, and on the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. Just see that as downtown Washington, D.C. If you've got a job and you're a politician and whatever you do, you are there. The whole place is turned out. All, of the, all the TV broadcasting companies would be there from the conservative far right to the, for the far crazy left end and everybody in between. Everybody's there. Anybody that's got a sign. Like, I just like seeing Washington. They just always got their fold-up signs and they got the... Anyway, okay, let's don't go there. Um, and Ananias, the high priest, verse 6, was there and Caiaphas... And John and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. The ones who were in office, the ones that had been in office. You had to be been somebody of the, you, you, the top tier of the Jewish government stuff, spiritual government, right? You got, okay. So they're there. Verse 7 And when they had placed him in the center, they began to inquire by what power. Or in what name have you done this? Now, we as American Christians, we, we read this stuff, but we kind of go over this. They, they believe there was something behind the name of something. It wasn't just a name. It was a, po- a force, a power God, I mean, you know, if, if you were doing something, even where Jesus would say, D- don't swear by that number of a hair on your head or by the God, some title of God. I mean, you can't, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it, this is a big deal about, it's what's, it, this just doesn't happen. What were y'all doing? Uh, they don't use the word y'all, but, you know, they would if they were lived around here. Uh, there's some sort of Jewish word for y'all I just don't know what it is okay by what power or what name have you done this and verse 8 and then Peter I think the Holy Spirit flared up again you know it's been going on now you know Peter who couldn't get himself out of a wet sack sometimes you know before now Peter can get under anointing the Spirit's there and the Spirit just flares you know filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you. Now, the next three verses is like the compressed version of the gospel. It's all right there. He's already done it over in chapter 3 in a compressed little Maybe just one verse over in 16 and stuff. But here we get the compressed thing. So let me do that again. So if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, here it goes. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, he's giving a whole title, Jesus, God with us, Christ which is the Greek version, but Jewish, it would have been Messiah, you know, Messiah. And town, you add where he's from, from Nazareth, okay. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is, and now we're quoting the Old Testament, the stone, talking about Jesus, which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. The stone that you, you know, the first thing you measure everything in the building out of is the first stone you put down. He has become the measuring stick, the thing, the, you know, whether it's, whether it's your plumb line whether it's your tape measure, whether it's your square, whatever whatever you're measuring with. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. That separates Jesus from everybody. Everybody, whoever was, whoever is going to be, there's no one like him. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's the gospel. No other name under heaven which we must be saved. Doesn't matter what they tell you. Doesn't matter if you're in New York City and they're really smart standing in the street or, 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 or down at Walmart in the parking lot or standing in line and they got, well, you know, I, I kind of believe that each of us have God in us and we all are, we're all, children of the creator. Well, yeah, that's fine. That's true. But there's only one person that, that makes you have a way to have relationship with this creator, with Father God, and that's his son, Jesus. There's no one like Jesus, son of man, son of God, son of David, some of the names come. No one like Yeshua. No one like him. There's no one like him. Whether we transliterate it in the Greek and call him Jesus, or we say Yeshua, or the, there's no one like him. There's no one like him. Did I put that across? There's no one like him. <clears throat> 13. Now, as they observe the confidence... Of Peter and John, and also understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Oh, we've seen these boys before. Hmm. They didn't. They might be under anointing, but Peter didn't lose his fishing. Fisherman talk, you know, like where he's from. I mean, you yeah, they recognize. Oh, he sounds like he's from out around the Sea of Galilee area. He's got that accent. Untrained. Their Jewish grammar probably wasn't exactly right. Verse 14, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, verse 16, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Now, coming from their point of view and their job, description is like we run stuff. Well, they should obey us and do what we say. They don't need to be saying this. They don't need to be doing this anymore. Right? Verse 18. And when they had summons them, they commanded them not to speak or teach it all in the name of Jesus. Oh, so, yeah. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right or In the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, you and I weren't there then, but you and I have our own versions of what we have seen and heard. And if you don't have a seen and heard, then tell me and we'll pray for you. I'll put Ron on you. We'll gang up on you until, and if it's God's timing, you'll have a story to add on to later about encounters with God. This cannot be a philosophical position. Our country is in sorry shape because either they've died off or the younger ones don't have it or... or, They need an encounter with God. They need a run-in with the with with the Lord. They need the Holy Spirit to be poured out and fall upon them. Whatever I I don't care if you fall down, speak in tongues, prophesy. You can do all those things, or just uh, whatever way He wants to have an encounter with you. That one moment you've not ever had one, and the next moment you have had one. i'm bypassing stories that i don't need to like i was thinking of a blaine cook he told me about one time when i was meeting him the first time with john weber and carol and verse 21, and when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And when they'd been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. Now, I don't know how many were gathered again, like like that 120 or there's more or like, I, I don't know. There's a, a good size gathering probably of them. And in verse 24, and, and when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. That's quoting from the Old Testament. Who, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David your servant said why did the gentiles rage and the people devise futile things the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ it doesn't matter what's going on in the nations of the world right this minute there's a line you're either standing on one side of this line or the other side of this line. There's always a line. I don't care how witty they, they take up their position. I don't, care. I don't care what they have done illegal. I don't care what they have done with children in public schools in different parts of the country. You're hearing all kinds of stuff. There is a spiritual war that's always been going on, and it is surfacing. It is a tsunami of stuff that's been coming, and the enemy feels cocky, and they're bringing it all out. But the very same answer in our nation and places of the world, and even the stuff I hear that's going on in Great Britain from different people, it's the same thing. Why do the political parties, those in power, those are wherever, rage? And the peoples, the smart Alex, the ones who think they know everything, devise futile things. The kings of the earth can take their stand, and the rulers can be gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. They will not win, ultimately. Verse 27, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Both. Of course, this is his prayer they're all saying to God both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Oh, this just didn't just happen in happenstance at three, because Peter and John just happened to be going to the temple and happened to be a lame guy sitting out there. God, your father has a plan all the time. His plan is unfolding. You and I just need to like keep our eyes and ears open to whatever is going down. Verse twenty-nine. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants, which means permanent servants, you know, like pierce the ear over on the, lamp, on the post may speak your word with all confidence and while, while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Because this was agreeing with the God the Father's idea. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. It just stirred them up that much more. They were in the center of God's will and they acknowledged it that, they were, that this is what God's will is and the, God came down on that. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul and not one of them claimed anything belonging to him with his own, but all things were common, proper to them, property to them. And with, let's see, one more verse. maybe. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. <clears throat> I'm preaching to myself when I say some of these things. I've told you different times that my, the problem of being artist is that it's different than if you're a house painter. If I'm a house painter, I paint a house, I get paid, and then I go paint another house, or I go paint a room, or are the outside, inside, something. This is what I do. This is my profession. But as an artist, I don't really like doing it but one time. I like to go get something else to do. I don't want to do it over. I mean, I've already done it one time. I already made that thing one time. It's more of a unique thing. Now, when it comes to my Christianity, I find that I run into the same thing. It's not that it's cocky. It's like I have seen all kinds of things down through the years. So, I repent to you that I have not worked at passing these things on to you, as I should. I got in the four o'clock service, oh, maybe a month ago, I don't, a while, and uh, we were praying for somebody, and we everybody gathered around, and, and it was going okay, and I was staying around the outside of the circle, because I, 4 o'clock, I'm visiting, you know, even though I'm over all of it. I'm, uh, you know, Todd's never running it. And I went, uh, Lenola noticed, I've told you this, Lenola uh, noticed that Jim's got something. She called me over She said, come here, what's going on? I said, well, I think um, that everybody's praying what's in their head and they're not listening to God as much as they could be listening to God. So she goes over to Todd and tells Todd, and Todd says across the room, well, just take over for a minute. So I went to him, and, in my, and it was, I was trying to be humble. I was being humble. I just said, hey, could I, could I just try something for a minute? Let's just stop. So they backed up. I said, you're I just back up for a minute. I said, so let's, in, let's, let's go again at this, but let's try this a little differently. Let's invite God. 'Cause I know you already have, but let's invite him again afresh. Like like we haven't even prayed. Let's invite God to come. So we invite the Holy Spirit to come. I said, now let's wait. Let's not just dive in. And about a minute went by. And one of them, I could tell God was on them. I said, Why don't you come here? And you put your hand on their shoulder and you start speaking to the condition, What? what are you, you're you hearing something, aren't you? They were. And as soon as I got them there, there was a second person. And I said, hey, he's talking, he's giving you an idea. Yeah, I kind of have a thing, I f- want to pray for it. Okay, so why don't you put your hand on the other shoulder. Now there's two touching them. The rest of them, I said, y'all stand back for just a second. Now, my friend named Frank taught, I don't know where he came up with it, daisy chaining kind of like hooking up stuff like you had a a, a science kit or something and i would take another third person and I'd say why don't why don't you put your hand on the shoulder of this person that's got their hand on the person that's sick and ask and bless them praying and pretty soon we had kept hooking up people it was getting stronger and and then it just i don't know how you explain it it's uh we all are wired a little different i i noticed that there was uh some a child there that was 10 or 11 something like that and i said hey would could i get you to pray with them of course you have to ask differently with children right i said could could and the mother said yeah they can pray <coughs> i said could you just put your hand on, say on the shoulder of this lady that's in front of you that's praying. And they were a little reluctant and then they did. And as soon as they put their hand on there, it was like the missing wire to the two car batteries. I mean, the second that they put their hand on everything jumped stronger. Okay, next time, you, same people, it wouldn't work that way. Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit likes to run things the way he likes to run things. And where Jesus says, he's like the wind. You don't know where he's coming from. You don't know where he's going. You don't know. So. And that's all I'm going to do with the camera, because I'd have to carry the camera around with me. Oh. <laughs> So one, one of these times we'll do that, we'll drag the camera around, except that it's us and then everybody will have to sign a release form and something. Because you go, well, really, I, you know, I put this on TV and no, whatever, see y'all.